following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Basketball Society. What's going on, everybody? It's Alex Fishbein back again with the Atlantic Files. And as always, we are brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com. And we are a part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. So, let's jump right in. Last week, we had Mike Bash on here with, with me uh, talking about the, the Brooklyn Nets. He is our now our local Nets correspondent. And he had some really, really interesting and really great things to say uh, about the Nets team. Now, he talked about how, you know, D'Angelo Russell may not even be the most improved player on the team. He had Hollis Jefferson. And he also made a, a pretty great statement now, looking back at it, saying that the Nets should be starting Dinwiddie at point guard and allowing D'Angelo Russell to work off the ball starting as the shooting guard and now me personally I was a little bit you know speculative about that because from what I saw from Dinwiddie in the years past he didn't look ready enough to actually be a starter and he didn't look like he would really give you all that much in terms of contribution to the team to win some games now of course as I say whenever I put any kind of you know my opinion of a judgment of a player out there if it's a bad opinion or a bad judgment I should say I I do hope that they prove me wrong like I I hope that guys you know whether it's my words whether it's another uh, broadcaster or podcaster or reporter whatever whoever it is saying them if they put out stuff and say, like, this guy's bad, this guy won't do anything, this guy won't translate to anything, I do hope that these guys prove them wrong, me included. I would love if a guy like Jaleel Okafor would go out to another team and prove me wrong and go out there and play his butt off and all of a sudden be a great defender. I would love it. I mean, that that's I would be happy for him because that's another guy getting better at his craft and getting, you know, good at the game and giving us something else that's awesome to watch. So when I made those comments saying that, like, you know, from what I've seen so far, personally, I don't think Dinwiddie will do that much in terms of, you know, uh, getting, being that much of an impact for a team. Now, so far, he has had a pretty big impact. 
since uh, I had Mike Bash on here for our last episode, uh, talking about, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie should be starting at the one, especially since Jeremy Lin is now out. Um, he had the game against Cleveland that they won. He dropped 22.6 assists. The next game, he had a little bit of a stinker. I mean, the whole team did against the Knicks. He only had four points, but still had 11 assists. He only attempted three shots that game as well. Then the game after that, 22 points again with four assists and three steals. And then their most recent game against Phoenix, he had 15 points, four assists. Now, he is producing. His plus minus, he's only had two games in the negative. And that was the first game when he only had 16 minutes. He was minus six against the Pacers. And that game against the Knicks when the whole team was pretty bad, he was minus one. Other than that, he has been a positive in every other game. So that is, um, sorry, six of the eight games that he has been a positive. And he's been getting, I mean, in six of those eight games as well, he's had at least one steal. So he, he's getting, you know, into the passing lanes, stripping the ball. He's getting there. And assist-wise, he's still getting a lot of other guys involved. Even though he's, like, the first few games, he was only playing around, like, 18 minutes a game, 19 minutes a game. He was still getting the ball into the hands of their playmakers, into the hands of their shooters, and getting them points in other ways other than him just taking control of the ball. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. He the, the lowest amount of assists in a game that he's had is four. Like I said, that one game he had 11. That was his only double-digit game so far. But he is at least showing the potential of really being that, you know, playmaker that is finding these guys open. And if you're starting him alongside D'Angelo Russell, that gives you a lot more chances of him to, I mean, one, find D'Angelo Russell like in in transition even in the half court whatever it may be gives you a lot more chances to 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 um get D'Angelo Russell open if you have the point guard in Spencer Dinwiddie making some plays and that'll only help you in the long run so obviously what it comes down to is that the defense still has a long ways to go now we weren't expecting Brooklyn to be in the top of the conference or even in the middle of the conference. We were expecting them to be at, at the bottom. So obviously it's going to be a lot of growing pains. But right now they still do have the third best offense in the league in terms of points per game, points scored per game. They're averaging about 114 points per game, but they have the worst defense in the league in terms of points given up per game with 118.8 per game. And their defensive rating also 27th in the league but how you know that they're a young team that are just trying to you know get out and run they are first in the league in pace they are out running a lot of these teams that they they ended up beating and I feel like what happens is that these other teams are not ready for the kind of up-tempo kind of uh, up-tempo style of ball that Brooklyn is trying to do and I mean this is something that the Sixers did when they were going through their big tanking years is that they were saying all right you know what we're young we're not going to be able to compete with guys in a half-court offense consistently 
So what we have to do is try and play those passing lanes and get out on transition, get out on the fast break, and just keep running, 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 and try and just tire out other teams. That's what you pretty much have to do as a young team in general in the NBA because when you face the teams like like Cleveland um, or even like Washington who has more guys approaching their 30s. I'm not saying Washington's that old, but... You, you know what I mean? Not guys that are fresh into the league. You have to tire them out. You have to outrun them because you're not going to beat them with pure skill. So obviously this is what we're seeing a lot of with Brooklyn. And that's also why we're seeing the huge dip in defense because A, your own team is going to get tired from this. I mean, if you're running that fast of a pace on offense, your team is going to get tired enough that they aren't playing as good uh, at defense. That's just kind of the laws of, I mean, I wouldn't say the laws of physics, but you, you understand what I mean. And on top of that, like I said, you can outrun some teams on offense, but you can't outrun teams on defense. That's not how really how it works. So the better teams are running their half-court sets, running the plays that they know, or even just getting it to the guys that can just put the ball in the basket. And they're beating Brooklyn because that's just what it's going to be against a young, inexperienced, and not that great team. So, I mean, that that's what we see from Brooklyn so far. And so now moving on a little bit here to the Sixers, they finally have been winning some games again. They are currently on a three-game win streak. They beat Dallas. They beat Houston. And then most recently, they beat Atlanta. They play again tonight against uh, Indiana, which is a great chance at getting uh, four games in a row. They welcome back Rashawn Holmes. And, I mean, that is a big return from injury for them, especially with everything going on with Jaleel Okafor. And now, if you haven't heard what has been going on with Okafor, the Sixers did decline his his fourth-year option, which, I mean, was kind of expected. There were, there were some people that were kind of like, whoa, they, they declined the option, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, like, I understand that for a rookie that's a big thing because then that means hey you got to find a new job i understand that like i understand why it's a big deal in terms of okafor himself but when it comes down to what the team's plans are versus what okafor gives you it should have been expected at that point because they've been looking for a trade partner for for okafor for what it seems like like two two years almost like almost right after his rookie season it was kind of like we might need to trade this guy and so seeing that they haven't found anybody that they think has been able to give them equal value for Okafor it should have been obvious to see that they're not going to re-sign him because why continue this charade of saying ah like well We'll get him into the rotation at some point. He's just not there yet. Okay, now we're trying to trade him. Okay, now he's off of the trading block. All right, we were going to trade him, but look, they wanted to give us, you know, a second round pick instead of a late first, so we're not going to do it. So this whole thing, honestly, just really sucks for Jaleel Okafor. Like, I do feel bad for Okafor in 
the way of Brian Colangelo is kind of just playing with this kid's career. Like this is what this is what Okafor does for a living. This isn't just like something where you can like when you're on 2K and you're like, I don't know, should I trade him or should I just like mess around and like could like say to the press in there that like we're gonna trade him and then not trade him and then his like his morale rating gets low, blah blah blah. No, this is this is real life. This is the kid's career. This is how he makes his money, how he makes his living. And so by straight up telling him after he asked for a buyout to ju- to just say no, we're not we don't want to give you up to a team for free. We want to trade you. But also knowing that teams have definitely given you offers, but they're just not offers that you have wanted is also telling Okafor that he's probably not going to be moved in a long time. Like this isn't happening, this isn't going to happen overnight. And at this point he even said it himself. The team is growing to be successful. The team is growing into the team that the fans wanted them to be. And I'm not a part of that. And it's true. I mean, like Brett Brown said, he's not in the rotation. They are playing Amir Johnson over him. And usually, especially now and like last season, you would never think of playing Amir Johnson over like three quarters of the, of the centers that are out there. But... In terms of defense, in terms of rebounding, Amir Johnson is the better one to go to. And when it comes to offense, yes, Okafor can get buckets. I understand that. Okafor's post-game, his inside game is impeccable. But in today's NBA, that's not going to cut it. You have to have some sort of a jump shot, even if you're a big man. And if you don't have a jump shot, you have to be athletic enough to dive to the rim and get the get the lobs, get those offensive rebounds and a putback dunk, be able to just out-jump and out-muscle people down low if you don't have that jump shot. And he's not that athletic, and he does not have a jump shot. So that's where the issue lies here. And trust me, I mean, don't get me wrong. He has shown a little bit of a jump shot in the preseason when, you know, he, he went out to the corner and, and tried to shoot some threes. And they showed it in practice. He was hitting some of those as well. And hey, I, props to him because he's working on it. He knows he has to work on that. But as of right now, he's not good enough at it. So his trade value isn't going to be that high. And on top of that... Everyone knows his his option isn't going to be picked up, so he's going to be a free agent. So why would his trade value be that high now when everyone knows they could just attempt at signing him in the offseason? The only, the only thing that could make a team want him some more is to either A, unload a bad contract of their own, or B, think that there might be too many teams chasing him in, in free agency and want to trade for him so that they have his rights and they can re-sign him right away instead of uh, waiting until free agency and trying to outbid a team for him. Those are the really the only two options. And the Sixers aren't going to take on any bad contracts because this is their time that they want to make a splash in free agency next season. So they're not going to want these kind of contracts anymore. That's not what the Sixers want. Personally, I think they should just trade him for a couple, like either one or two second round picks. Rid your hands of it. It's over with. Use those second round picks for something else 
and let Okafor try and, you know, regenerate his career in a different city and go about your game plan in some other way. You didn't give him away for free because you got a second round pick or two. You can always package them in a, in another deal to get something else and it's over. It's done. You're not going to keep getting talked about about handling this rookie situation terribly while you're already getting railed for handling a Markel Fultz situation terribly. And now you're done with it. It's over and you are past it. That's it. I mean, really, that's all that really has to happen for it. Just get your hands clean of it and move on from it. Now, moving on to the Knicks. The Knicks had a couple good wins in there. They've had a few bad losses as well. I mean, it's going to go back and forth a lot this season because that's what also what we've expected from the Knicks. But Porzingis looks ready to own the team. He looks ready to say, this is my team. We're going as far as I take us. And I am going to bring you guys along with me and get you guys involved as as long as you trust me and we can take this thing however far it goes. Like, he looks very, very good. I mean, he's one. He's the only Nick now in New York Knicks history to start uh, or to score 30 in, the, in his first five of six games or something like that. He has looked great. On the other hand, Nita Aquino finally getting some decent playing time. Nita Aquino has looked great on defense there were multiple times against Houston that he actually locked down James Harden not only is that difficult for a rookie that's difficult for most veterans I mean like a lot of the guys you see locking down James Harden are guys like Kawhi Leonard ones that are elite defensive uh, players and we saw it happen with Nito Kino who is a rookie I mean, that is impressive. Sure, he has a lot to work on on his offensive game. A lot of rookies do when they first come in because they're not used to the speed of the game. Excuse me. They're not used to, you know, finding those guys in heavy pick and roll situations. Whatever it may be, there's a lot to the learning curve there, as we can see with guys like Lonzo Ball, as we can see with guys like Markel Fultz. Even though he was hurt, he still has a lot more to learn of the NBA game itself. So... That's understandable, but having him, you know, with the effort that he's putting out and the wherewithal to be able to be right in in the business of James Harden, and as soon as he tries to get his usual foul calls and, like, you know, drag the arm through or pull the arms up real quick and try and get him to foul, he, his reactions were on point enough to back up, hands up, don't get the foul called on you and still force a bad shot and force them to miss. And those kind of things, while they're very small and some people may not see them during the game, they're some of the most important because that is something that is an intangible on a team where if you want to win, you need guys who can do that. You need guys that can understand the defensive side of the ball from a guy who is very adept at drawing fouls, very adept at little little ticky-tack moves that can force a, force the defense into bad situations. And knowing that your guy, a rookie, has that kind of acknowledgement and that kind of IQ about it is very promising and it's it's nice to see if you're a Knicks fan 
Because after passing on a guy like Dennis Smith Jr. or Malik Monk, seeing that in this rookie that you have now is giving you a little bit more hope. Um, and then, of course, Tim Hardaway. I mean, you pretty much knew what he's going to give you, but he's still giving you that scoring that everybody's used to. He's not shooting the ball that well so far, obviously, with this increased role that he has. I mean, Porzingis leads the team with 22 field goal attempts per game, and then Hardaway is next up with 13.9. So with the increased role he's having since he was on the Knicks, or since he was on the um, Hawks and the Knicks the first time, it's a little bit different for him as well, so he's going to have to uh, learn more to pick and choose really uh, his his shot attempts and where he really wants to attack. That's going to have to be a, he's going to have to grow to be more patient on that end. Um, and the last thing for the Knicks, Inez Cantor, he has looked well uh, on the Knicks. I want to say as well, but then that's that's kind of repetitive. He has looked good. And, I mean, he's averaging 13.9 points, 9.9 rebounds. We knew he was a good rebounder, especially on the offensive glass. He's bringing that again to the the Knicks here. I mean, he's averaging about six defensive and four offensive rebounds. So that is a very, very, um, that's a very important aspect for to having a big man, especially when Porzingis is really only getting about one offensive rebound because a lot of the times, yes, he is on the perimeter since he can shoot those threes. And even when they bring in O'Quinn, O'Quinn's averaging about two offensive rebounds. So most of that production is going to come from Cantor, and that is big to have on your team. Now, the last uh, team I want to talk about here, the Raptors. So, I mean, they're still tough to figure out right now. They... Like, obviously, most of their production is still coming from DeRozan and Lowry. This is to be expected. Lowry is having a very lousy beginning to the season. Especially, it's just funny because we talk about all these guys that are having, like, historic starts to the season. Like, Boogie, like, Giannis, uh, like, Chris, like, Chris Stapps, even Ben Simmons in terms of rookies. And then you get to Lowry and it's like... Dude, what's going on with you right now? I mean, his assist averages are are right about on par for what he usually has. But he's only averaging 12 points a game, shooting 37% overall and 32% from three. I mean, he's usually up near the 40s in the three-point percentage. And in field goal percentage, he's usually around like 43, 44 and it's just that's what's kind of, that's what's killing the raptors right now is that when it came to three point shooting lowry was that dependent like you could depend on him to hit that three for them usually and with a guy like demar derozan who is very reluctant to shoot threes in general and very bad at shooting threes in general then you need that kind of guy and right now cj miles is kind of filling that role he is taking about six threes a game and making 39% of them. But when you have another, the other three-point shooter on your team in Lowry taking 6.7 threes a game and only making 32%, that's going to hurt you a lot, especially when he is taking that amount of threes. Um, I mean, the, after him the, after him and Miles, the next one attempting threes the most is Abaka. 
and Abaka's making 34% of them. So he's making more of his threes than Lowry is. And so this team is primarily driven. Now, I always get a lot of flack for this, but it's primarily driven by Kyle Lowry. And that's not, I'm not only saying that because he's the point guard. It's been shown over the last few seasons through all sorts of advanced and traditional stats that he is the main driving force behind the team. DeRozan, I mean, still can win a lot of games for him. But instead of 1A, 1B, it's more like it is more of a 1-2 with Lowry DeRozan. And then after those two, it's kind of 3A, 3B with Miles and Ibaka. So it's just right now we watch them struggle and I mean, we we say we watch them struggle. They're they're four and three, so they still have a winning record. They're still sixth in the Eastern Conference out of like so far through these first seven games. But losing like one twenty nine to one eleven to Denver, who I mean, Denver's been struggling to get their offense running, especially with uh, Millsap and and um, Jokic on the same team. And the other two losses did come to Golden State and San Antonio, so they came to good teams. But it's just when you watch the Raptors, there's like, you guys can be even more than this right now. And I know you're losing to mainly good teams, but you can do better than this. And we've seen them do better than this. We've seen them have some great seasons, so it's just kind of disappointing to see where they're at right now. Um, And I I will come to you guys with more about Boston next week. I was not able to catch many of their games this past week, so I didn't want to speak on things that I haven't exactly seen uh, this week. So I will come back to you guys with a lot more on Boston next week. And so that brings me to the out-of-bounds segment this week. Now, I usually don't like promote other stuff, and I'm not really saying this as a promotion, but if you guys haven't seen the show on YouTube called Hot Ones... I highly suggest it because, to me, it's hilarious, and I am not a fan of spicy food. Um, I never really have been. There just hasn't really been much spicy food around my house growing up, so I've never really gotten into it. And then, so, since I've never had spicy food, the moment I have it, it's like, holy crap, this thing is hot! And it's everyone else is like, dude, that's regular, like, that's regular hot sauce. That's like sriracha. That's not even hot. And I'm like, you know, I don't have this kind of stuff. (laughs) But so watching these guys, you know, go through the pain of eating these hot wings and then answering the questions. One, I think it's really cool because as they say on the show, when you are so in like when you're so involved in trying to fight off the pain of the hotness, you answer questions more truthfully. I can see that because in your mind, you're like, all right, just breathe through it, breathe through it. This is hot. I mean, you just got to get through this and you're, you're fine. So then they ask you a question. You're like, uh, and you don't have time to really think of the fake answer that you want to put out there. You have to give the one that's fresh out of your mind. And that's usually the most truthful answer. So I think that is pretty cool in itself. And then I was watching the one with, um, with the, the rapper Vince Staples. And if you guys aren't that big of rap fans, I don't really know what to say to you. But if you are a rap fan and you don't listen to Vince Staples, you should definitely go check out his music right now because Vince Staples is a great artist. I love both of his albums that he's put out, his studio albums that he's put out so far. So definitely check him out as well. But 
I thought it was really cool with him because he graded the sauces on their their taste. And I admire that because when I – so I've just started eating more spicy foods like with Indian foods and, and, and you know, some more spicier Chinese foods and stuff like that and Vietnamese and uh, Colombian and Mediterranean. And to me – I like when I first started, I only tasted the hot. I only tasted the spice, but I didn't really taste like the rest of it um, and and kind of grade the food on how it tasted itself. I just graded it on how hot it was from like least spicy to most spicy. But Vin Staples came on there and looked at the ingredients of all these hot sauces and was like, oh, this one's delicious. This one has like a great amount of taste along with the spice. And then there was one on there. He was like, "Oh, this is awful. It's dry. Um, it has it like the 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 sauce itself was super hot, but it what it didn't taste good at all." And he he said how this one's just meant to hurt you. It's not it's not meant to make your food taste good. And they had like their super hot one, the the one that they that they made themselves, and it's like called the last dab, and they dab it on, and you know it, it it's one of the hottest. The, the Scoville rating isn't even rated yet. And Vince Staples had it, and his first thing was like, dude, this is great. The mustard in there, the turmeric, the turmeric, and, you know, everything in there balances it out well, and it's, like, really good on these wings. It was just so cool to actually see a guy, like, boil it down into really culinary things instead of just saying, wow, this one's hot. Wow, this one's mild. This one's, eh, it's not that hot, but you know you can feel it on your lips. No, I, I thought I thought it was cool coming from that different side of the, the hot sauce. And, I mean, I kind of had like a hot sauce awakening. It's like, okay, I need to start trying some of these hot sauces for more so of how they spice it behind the actual hotness and, and look at it how it's actually like tasting instead of just oh, this is hot, this is cold, or, sorry, mild, this is medium. Um, it just made me just realize a lot more about the sauce. And um, as they say, one can get lost in the sauce. But, you know, that that's a, that's a conversation for another day. But anyway, that's it for me, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Atlantic Files. I'll be back again next week. Before I leave on my trip, I'll talk about that in the Out of Bounds segment next week as well. So... I'll come back to you guys before I go on that trip. So make sure you guys catch that one next week. Make sure you guys check out basketballsocietyonline.com. And make sure you check out the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Thank you guys for listening. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.